Hi, this is Oren. If you find these teachings useful and you'd like to learn more about my work, you can visit me online at orenjsofer.com or on social media at orenjsofer. Thanks so much. So yesterday I introduced this concept of indirect and direct practices to work with pain. The indirect practices being focused on developing resource, resilience, and balance. Kind of um, using this analogy of creating a healthy ecosystem in our heart and mind and body so that we can be with pain. And then the direct practices being practices that actually engage with the pain itself or our relationship to the pain. So today, what we'll do is, um, in the morning and in the afternoon, we'll do one direct practice, one direct practice, and then at least one, maybe more indirect practice. I'd like to um, start with um, talking about our relationship to pain a little bit more, and specifically exploring this idea of resistance. <clears throat> So resistance to pain is hardwired. It's it's our body's automatic response to something painful. If you reach out and touch fire, what happens? The muscles recoil. You don't think. This is not conscious. It's the body's self-protective mechanism when there's pain for something to contract and pull away. So this is really important for us to just remember. We all know this, but particularly when we're feeling pain um, that lasts for any period of time that's recurring or chronic because it takes it out of the personal that I should be able to be with this. And it gets worse when we're meditators, right? It's like, oh God, I'm a meditator and I'm still reacting and resisting lost in greed and aversion or you know whatever ideas we kind of heap on top of what's already hard enough. So just remembering this is not personal. This this response to avoid, to pull away, or to push, to push against it, to try to make it go away, is completely natural and, and, and is and is physiological. The issue is of course is that um, it makes it worse. So when we can get away from the pain, we do. If we reach out and we touch something that's hot and we recoil, problem solved. <laughs> My hand is not burning anymore, right? We go and we get some ice or put it under cold, cold running water. Where we get where where resistance, where that recoiling re- response is problematic, is when the um, when the offense is can't be removed. When, when the, the impulse that's sending the pain signal is continuing, then we end up spending a lot of energy pulling away. And in some, um, what seems to me, strange way, it makes the pain worse. So in order to be mindful of anything, 
whether it's pain or pleasure or neutral, in order to be mindful of anything, there needs to be a certain amount of balance in the mind. Mindfulness needs equanimity. Without some degree of equanimity, it's not actually mindfulness. We're just, we might be aware of what's happening, but we're not being mindful of it. To be mindful of it means that the mind has some degree of balance and non-reactivity, that we're able to stay aware without this push-pull taking over. Right? There might still be a reverberation in the mind. It's not that the mind is completely 100% equanimous. That's possible, but we can be mindful when there's some of that. But there needs to be more equanimity than reactivity. There's one Burmese teacher, um, Sayada Utejaniya, who talks about um, observing pain, but also observing um, unhealthy emotions, destructive emotions, unhealthy mind states like anger or fear or jealousy or resentment or greed, all of these forces that are um, um, in our being that are painful to feel and create harm for ourselves and others. He says, um, the amount of mindfulness, the, re- the, the relative amount of mindfulness versus the, the mind state should be like 80-20. So that's, that's his rule of thumb. Like, so you need that much more balance and awareness to be mindful of one of those mind states from his perspective. I don't know if, you know, that's not a science, right? But you you see the point he's making there is that we really need a lot of balance and groundedness in order to pay attention to these uh, experiences um, that are are so um, inflamed, literally or figuratively because the tendency to react is so strong. And that's why I place so much emphasis on the indirect practices, because when we're grounded and balanced and resourced, it's a lot easier to be with and observe what's happening. So this shift from turning away the skillful distraction, let me gather some resources, right? The shift from turning away to turning towards the pain is a key shift. When we actually, when we actually make that choice to say like, okay, let me be with this some. Sometimes we don't have a choice, right? Sometimes the kind of pain we're in doesn't give us a choice. It's like, you're going to be with me whether you want to or not, right? And, and we'll talk about that some. Um, when we do have choice, when we are able to, you know, the pain's still present, but we're able to leave it in the background some, the choice to turn towards it, um, making that a conscious choice, recognizing like, okay, I'm going to be with it some, or I'm going to start to approach it. Because that choice is key. That's where, that's where we reclaim agency and where our nervous system starts to learn and feel a sense of, um, of trust and balance. That's the don't go in if you can't come out. So we practice going out and then we say, all right, I'm going to go in a little and then I can come back out. This afternoon, we'll look at that. We'll look at actually 
being mindful of the pain itself. But before we can do that, the first thing we meet is often the resistance. So as we turn towards the pain, what we often find is this layer, this zone of, I don't want it, I don't like it, make it go away, make it stop, ah, any, any of those. And it occurs on many different levels. So it occurs physiologically in our body. We tense, we contract. It's not always where the pain is that we tense. So, you know, we might have pain. So like when my, uh, when my gut stuff is acting up, like I might have pain here in my gut, but I might be tightening here in my jaw or in my neck or in my shoulders and not even notice it. Right? It's something bracing inside against the discomfort. We can, we can brace or resist emotionally. So we might be feeling irritated, just kind of grumpy and prickly, right? Because, because there's pain and we don't like it. And so the resistance shows up on an emotional level. And it starts, right? And then we kind of snap or we're sharp or with others around us or with ourselves. It can show up psychologically too in terms of our thinking, the kinds of thoughts we have, the, the way we're speaking to ourselves, our tone of voice inside. Right? So when there's pain and there's discomfort and, and we're resisting it when there isn't compassion, then there can start to be that digging quality, that angry or bitter or resentful or harsh um, is one energy. Uh, it can move into fear the tone of voice and the stories. It can move into self-pity. All of these ways that are all forms of resistance, all forms of not wanting what's happening. So there are different ways of working with the resistance. One way that we've already talked about that I just want to name again because it is a primary um, kind of foundational perspective is wisdom. Some of the resistance, particularly psychologically, mentally, emotionally, some of the resistance is because Um, we're still expecting that we can control reality. We're still expecting that this body should do what I want it to do when I want it to do. Just because we have voluntary control over our muscles that we can pick things up and move them around, we start to believe that we can control the physiological processes of our body that I shouldn't be aging, my hair shouldn't get gray, or I shouldn't get these wrinkles, or my body shouldn't sag here or there, or that I shouldn't be sick, and why, and I should be able to control it. And when we name that, we see how ridiculous it is. That's not valid, <laughs> right? But we still have this underlying assumption. It's a, it's a subtle kind of view that this is my body and it should do what I want and I don't want it to be sick and I don't want it to hurt and therefore it should and then there's that resistance and there's that rub. So um, 
we can use certain reflections with wisdom to help remind us of the way things are. And in the Buddhist tradition, there's what's, what's known as the five daily recollections, the five daily reflections, <clears throat> three of which are focused on the nature of the body. The Buddha recommended that practitioners do this every day. And every day, make sure you think about these five things at least once as a way of reminding ourselves of the truth of being alive because it's so easy to forget. Because it's so easy to be living in a kind of deluded state where we think it's otherwise. So what are these five? Um, I am of the nature to age. I'm not exempt from aging. I'm of the nature to get sick. This body is of the nature to get sick. I'm not, I'm not exempt from getting sick. I'm of the nature to die. I'm not exempt from dying. Right? We all know that intellectually, but how deeply do we know it? Right? So reminding ourselves of this, these facts, of just recollecting it, being like, yep, one day I'm going to die. <laughs> and when that time comes, it's not going to be the future anymore. <laughs> it's going to be now. Death doesn't happen tomorrow. When death comes, it's now. It's like, oh, this is how it happens. And we have to be ready to let go. So reminding ourselves, preparing ourselves, learning to live in line with the way things are. The other two uh, reflections are about our relationships with life and the kinds of choices we make. So the next one uh, is that, um, this is heavy, I'm just going to warn you, but it's freeing when we really, when we really take it in. All that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise will become separated from me. All that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will become separated from me. We see the truth of it immediately, right? Whether it's a nice thing, you know, a car, a house, a piece of jewelry, whether it's a person or a relationship, whether it's our health, whether it's our career, that's the, everything changes. It disintegrates, it decays, we get separated from the things we love at some point. And so it's not meant to be like depressing. These aren't meant to be like, there's no meaning in life because everything leaves. It's actually meant to help us live with more awareness, to fully appreciate and be present for our life in a way that has wisdom, that's not enmeshed, that's not overly attached, where we're trying to control everything because we're so afraid it's gonna go away. And then we're not even able to enjoy it because we're, because we're so tight. But we can actually let go and just appreciate it while it's here, letting things come and go. And then the last reflection is about uh, the results of our actions, that our actions have effects on ourselves and others. And everything we do um, will have a result. And that the, the, the nature of that result is in terms of its effect on our own mind, is most closely related to our intention. So when we do things from a good intention, that will have good effects for us in our own mind. Whereas when we do things from a negative intention, that will have negative effects for our own mind. I'm emphasizing the fact in terms of our own mind because we can have a really good intention and still make a mess of things, right? 
if we're not skillful, if we don't have all of the information, and that happens all the time because we're not, we don't know everything. But coming from a good intention will ultimately have a beneficial effect on our own consciousness because we're sowing those seeds of kindness or generosity or patience or joy or honesty and so forth. So these reflections are one way of beginning to address the resistance because we're creating a frame of mind that understands what's happening and we're not rubbing up against that fundamental view this shouldn't be happening. Something's gone wrong. Oh, this is the way it is. Bodies get sick. You know, there have been times in history where 10%, 20% of a population was wiped out. Should that be happening? It's nature, right? We get sick. And yeah, it sucks when it's us. <laughs> it's like, right? And this is the way it is. So this is, this is one kind of fundamental terrain in terms of meeting the resistance is our view and bringing wisdom to it. Then we can also start to work with the resistance with our attention on an emotional and physiological level. What's actually happening in our heart and in our body and how do we meet that? So going back to that, that, that analogy of the two arrows, right? The first arrow is the pain. The second arrow is the reaction, the resistance, the not wanting it, the wishing it were otherwise. So when we're not mindful, we've got like a whole quiver of arrows and we just keep shooting them third, fourth, fifth, right? And you get this like hall of mirrors where it's just like reaction after reaction. So the cycle can stop somewhere. As soon as we're mindful in a balanced way, as soon as we bring some balanced awareness in, we can start to cut that cycle of reactivity. We stop resisting the resistance. So this is a very important point. We can be mindful of resistance. Working with resistance doesn't mean not resisting. It doesn't mean stop it. Stop resisting. Make that go away. That's more resistance. right? That's more control. That's more pushing and pulling. It means this gesture. Opening, embracing. Ah, I'm resisting. The body is tightening. Okay, let me be with this. Let me observe this this resistance. And right there, the cycle stops. In that moment, even though there's still resistance happening, we're not adding any more energy to it. So working with resistance is a very, uh, it's, it's kind of a, um, uh, almost an art of feeling, feeling into it and allowing it. Allowing the body to resist, allowing the heart to resist, And when we can do that, then the resistance can resolve on its own. Once something comes up that's resisting, it's very difficult to to stop or interrupt that. But we can become aware of it and allow it to move through. Sometimes we can, usually in the moment of being aware, in the moment of becoming aware of resistance, in my experience, there's a certain amount of, uh, of letting go that the awareness itself kind of like there's a there's a dropping 
a softening of the the vector that's driving the resistance because the fuel that's um, uh, that's feeding it is removed in the moment of becoming aware of it and no longer being identified with the resistance and no longer kind of actively resisting. Once we move to being aware of the resistance, there's a that in and of itself kind of lowers the amount of resistance, sometimes drastically, noticeably, other times subtly. So that can happen, and there's a softening that can happen. There's a softening with the resistance. And then whatever amount is there, we can just be with the resistance. And so this is why the, the observing the resistance is a direct practice. We're not even attending to the pain. We're attending to the the layer that's most apparent, which is I don't want the pain. There's something inside tightening. And so we just bring a compassionate, loving awareness to that. Allow it, feel it, notice it, see if there can be any softening without pushing or forcing, and let it live its life. So there's a certain quality of surrender for me, in working with resistance. It's a letting be. Letting the resistance be. And what I find in myself, when there is strong pain, is that the resistance tends to come in waves or cycles. And this is when you can start to observe the cycles or waves of resistance, um, there's something very deep being learned about the mind and how to work with pain. When we start to see that it's not personal, that this is just the body and the mind working its karma out, just kind of responding to what's happening, and it's still that deep conditioning to react to the unpleasant is still there, and we feel it, and then it softens, and then we feel it, and then it softens. When we can hold a space of steady, balanced, loving awareness and allow those waves or cycles of resistance to come through. Um, there can even be, it sounds strange, but there can even be a quality of joyfulness in, in noticing that because there's a certain kind of freedom. We start to, we're actually seeing, we're seeing suffering in the end of suffering because we're seeing the ways in which the mind latches onto experience and kind of like, you know, adds more reactivity and suffering and the way the mind lets go and allows it to, um, uh, to kind of unfold. And, and, and it's as if we can almost see the knots of tension and suffering kind of, they like, they form and then they dissolve on their own and that's freeing, that's joyful to see that these, these snags, both in consciousness and in the body, liberate themselves. It's not that I have to do something to go in there and fix this. It's that my work, as much as there's a me here, the work of the mind is to, to cultivate and call forth the right qualities to create the right conditions inside of mindfulness and balance and compassion and steadiness. And then things, things unfold on their own.
So turning towards the pain, we become aware of resistance. In the moment of becoming aware of the resistance, sometimes something happens, it begins to shift. Just by being aware of it, we stop feeding it. Can there be a softening? Can there be any softening consciously? Just just by intending in that direction, right? Um, it's the kind of thing, it's, it's, it's a very simple thing, the softening. It's like when you're sitting at your computer, if you're typing and you notice all of a sudden that you're like, there's like zero space between your shoulders and your earlobes. And you're like, what am I doing? And you go, oh. And your shoulders relax. Right? You don't have to work to do that. It's not like, I gotta, I gotta push my shoulders down up in my ears, right? It's a letting, it's a letting, the, it, the, the, it's not a doing, it's a non-doing. Right? When there's resistance, the softening of the resistance isn't an adding of energy, it's a, it's, it's a subtracting of energy. We stop putting energy in and something softens. And then it's just the allowing. Surrendering, allowing, observing, seeing what happens with the resistance. And in that zone where we're observing the resistance, where we're seeing it happen, that's when we need to pay, we pay attention to how much mindfulness and balance is there. And if it starts to be too much, if the pain signal gets too strong or the resistance gets too intense and we're not able to observe it in a balanced way, that's when we turn away again. That's when we take a break. We say, yeah, okay, that was enough. Now go back to sound, orient, feel another part of your body, even move, create a sensation. You know, So uh, rubbing the hands together gently to just feel the soft, smooth sensation or taking two fingers and circling them on your palm creates kind of a pleasant tickling sensation, right? So you take your mind off the pain by creating another sensation, or skillful distraction in all the ways we've talked about. And then you come back. So this might that this might be like 10 to 30 seconds. This might be just an internal shift of attention to sound or to another part of your body. Or it might be, you know, 10 to 30 minutes and then you come back. It really depends on what's happening. So I think what, what I'd like to suggest is, um, is first just exploring this topic... Um, interpersonally. I've shared a lot of different ideas. And so just starting to, to, to um, take it in and reflect for yourself in your own life, in your own body, um, on two questions. How do you resist pain? What do you know about the ways that you resist pain? Physically, emotionally, mentally. And what helps you to soften that? What helps you to soften that? So the way we'll do this, um, each person is going to be practicing something. Um, First, I just want to check and see, um, is there anyone who wants to sit this exercise out? Just raise your hand. Okay, so we'll do groups of three. There's 15, so we'll have groups of three. So... um, the person who's reflecting is going to be exploring. And and take your time. Use this as a mindfulness practice. This is an investigation, a contemplation. 
Um, the other two people, I want you to practice um, wholehearted listening. Listening with complete presence and silent empathy. So really cultivating in yourself and offering that kind of healing presence that we've been talking about, that we so long for from others. And so each person will have about five minutes to, um, to share and reflect, and then we'll take five minutes at the, at the end after each person is gone to see if there's any further uh, reflection or discussion. Okay, any questions? All right, so let's, um, let's pause the recording. <clears throat> and uh, why don't we all stand up? And just invite you to begin to move about the room. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.